talk about metaphysics and one's love life. Because um, it's a topic that everybody wants to hear. Yeah, every, everyone wants to know how to learn more about love and how to start their love life or fix their love life or have hope for the future of their love life. And I think most of the time when you are very fresh to astrology and metaphysics, um, compatibility is really what you're looking for or what you're familiar with people using astrology for. And that in terms of astrology is actually called sinistry. And that is not what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, sinistry is like putting a chart up against another chart and seeing how they're compatible with each other or not. Um, there's basic compatibility, like just sign between sign or planet between planet and in, in particular signs. Um, but when people really want to know about their compatibility with people in the in the person-to-person sense, like I think sinistry is what people really want to know, but not enough people are educated on it to speak about it intelligently and so we fall back on these like sun sign compatibility things or just like really basic um i don't want to use the word compatibility but like basic um tropes tropes or like um like what do you say when like two elements like get along well or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think we fall I think we fall on the kind of stereotypical these signs tend to get along. But Yeah. tend to get along is an awfully vague right statement. And we spend and so much time in modern astrology is, you know, now that it's emerging into pop culture, it's spending so much time drilling into people's heads that like the sun sign is not the only part of your personality. So why are we walking back on that when people are asking about compatibility in their love life specifically, or even with friends? Um, Because then it's defeating the purpose of learning your whole chart. And then it's like, oh, well, like, you know, my best friend is a Aries and I'm a Gemini. Like, are they compatible? Like, but then it's like, well, you're forgetting the whole reason that you started this exploration is because you learned that there's more than just that. So then why is it just, why, why are we walking back on that when it talks about compatibility and it drives me nuts? Yeah, I think, you know, there, to kind of steer this into a therapy realm for a second, when people talk about relationship woes or loneliness or just a loss for where to start their search for a partner in therapy. We always tell people they need to start with themselves. You need to know who you are, what you want, why you want those things. And then you need to like accept that and learn to love that about yourself. And it doesn't matter if you have like whatever the A plus version of a synastry chart is if you don't know all those pieces about yourself, because you'll never be able to maintain the relationship, you would just be stumbling upon someone who happened to be compatible and you would still be at a loss for really why you're compatible. Um, and I think the reason that astrology has caught on so much in pop culture is that we're all somewhat self-centered beings. And the idea that 
there's even more ways to learn about yourself than just your sun sign. And therefore, like, two other horoscopes you can post on your Instagram feed is exciting. Um, and it is. Those, those big three, so to speak, can tell you a lot about yourself that you never knew. Um, I know I vetch about being a Gemini a lot because I don't always identify with it. So it was a very interesting, enlightening moment to learn that there's a moon sign and there's a rising sign and that my moon's in Capricorn, which is very different than Gemini's instincts most of the time. And so all of those things go into who you are as a person and who you are as a person as a whole is necessary to know and tap into to find someone someone to be with someone to love someone to keep in your life for companionship for sex for affection for all of those things um and so you have to learn about yourself in order to understand why your partner is or is not seeing eye to eye with you and then you can go from there and that's why i wanted to talk about this specifically you can go from there and then figure out, okay, how do I make this work, knowing what I know about myself and about my partner? Yes. And I think that, um, I think that those, like, big three, sun, moon, rising, it helps you uncover so much about yourself, and self-knowledge is the first step to self-love. But um, I'm really curious, as somebody who is a little more well-versed in astrology than I am, how much do you think your sun, moon, rising come into play or are important um, to one's love life versus all the other planets we have? Like, Venus seems like a very obvious, like, oh, Venus was the Roman goddess of love that must have something to do with our love life. Or Mercury rules communication, can't have a healthy relationship without being able to communicate so do you think it's, like, all of those things we need to know? Do you think the big three are more important? Do you think the planets that rule specific aspects that relate to a relationship are more important? What's your take on it? So I think that if you want to, like, I think that the initial spark of attraction sort of comes from the sun-moon rising, because um, if you want to think about your sun-moon rising as, like, if you, rising is the uh, super ego and then your sun is your ego and then your moon is your id. Um, if you connect with somebody on a level of one of those three, typically your ego or your id, then you're going to have that instantaneous, like, Oh, I get along with this person. Like we have similar ways of understanding the world. And some people may find that really encouraging or supportive, some people like to be challenged by their worldviews. And so again, like that's just learning more about yourself and the other person like do you like to be challenged in a friendship in a relationship with another person in general or do you like to see eye to eye on everything do you not like to be challenged on your instincts or your worldview so that's one layer of it I think that's like the tip of the iceberg of it because I think that where Venus and Mars and even sometimes like Jupiter and Saturn um get into it is when you're trying to maintain a relationship with a person, if you're trying to have something more than um, 
a surface level friendship or if you're trying to create a, a lasting relationship with that person because then those are the things that come in day to day and they're your coping mechanisms about things more than like, oh, I had a bad day or like I am faced with this problem at work because you know those those kinds of things it's like oh your your son might come into play when you're trying to make like a decision about things your mercury um you're like i had a bad reaction to something and that was my moon sign you know not being filtered um but when you're talking about how you want to connect with somebody and show them that you love them then you want to look into your venus and their venus if you're trying to figure out if you're compatible physically then that's more your mars and you don't really need to worry about that when you're just fostering a friendship or something. This is more about um, when you have, like, a deep connection with somebody. And it can be a friendship, too. Like, even, like, my mom, like, learning about her Venus sign and, like, my Venus sign. Like, we under I understand, like, oh, okay, this is my love language. This is how I want to receive love from people. And this is how she wants to receive love from people. And sometimes, not saying that, like, I honestly don't remember my mom's Venus sign right now, but, like, I learned more about how she wanted to be validated. Okay, so I think just to kind of start back at the beginning in terms of, like, let's all figure out who we are, what we are, what we want, how we tick. You know, obviously the in-your-face stuff is going to be your big three. And in a previous episode, we covered rising signs. So I thought that was very important for me to learn how I come off to people mm -hmm. because it can inform so much of how people treat you after that first, second, third impression. And how and people, if they immediately are drawn to you or not. Yeah. Because some people, yeah, their rising sign might be like, I am not into this mysterious allure or this like aggressive pragmatism. Even yeah. If that, yeah. So, you know, even if that's not exactly who you are, if that's how you come off to people, then they're immediately going to have a judgment based on that. Yeah. And it's so important, I think, to know that you come off to people in X, Y, or Z way, because if you're trying to attract or manifest qualities in your life, then that may be something you have to be super mindful of adjusting or filtering or pushing past when you're in new scenarios with people. Um, and quick for the kids at home, since we haven't covered sun and moon sign, what are the dominant things that they rule? Um, I mean, again, like if you want to look, look at it as your super ego, ego and id, like ego is, or the sun sign is your basic filter of the world. Um, and it's kind of your driving force. And your moon sign is more about what you feel or understand before you think about it. Your initial reactions to things um, usually kind of governs whether or not you're very impulsive or, um, or not, or if you're very pragmatic. Um, those gut reactions are governed by your moon sign. Um, and it deals with your emotional life too, you know, how you process emotions, how you understand emotions. If you or somebody that like tends to hold a grudge about things or if you're somebody who like gets really irate really fast and then immediately lets it go. Um, so that's really what the moon sign governs and that's very important to understand when you have a, any kind of strong relationship with a person and I think that's why it plays a part 
in all relationships that go beyond, um, not colleagues, but service level. Yeah. But there's a word for it that I can't think of. Acquaintances? Acquaintances. Yeah. It goes beyond acquaintances. I think acquaintances, like if you just like, you know how people you're like, oh, that person rubs me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. That's usually a rising or sun sign incompatibility. Okay. But when you like get somebody, that's usually a moon sign compatibility because you're like, I understand why you feel that way and how that can hurt, like how that can make you feel that way. Because some people have to backtrack it and you're like, okay, I get why, I get, I understand like intellectually what you feel and you're telling me why you feel it, but like some people just can't relate. But if you relate, you're like, typically, it's a moon sign thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So these three things, I think, are the ones we all have the easiest access to. Because I think they're definitely the most focused on on the internet. You can find a gazillion memes about your moon sign or your sun sign or your rising sign. Haven't found a lot of memes about, like, Jupiter in fill in the blank. Yeah, no. Um, and that's okay. So you kind of start peeling back the uh, onion layers on who you are by learning more about your sun sign, learning more about your rising, learning more about your moon sign. And I think that is like a huge step in the pursuit of so-called self-actualization. And I am a strong believer in if you cannot understand yourself, you cannot love yourself. And... To borrow, you know, a phrase from RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Um, and that is why we're not technically talking about compatibility or synastry today. Um, we're talking about the journey to kind of uncovering more of your romantic life. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I have found very interesting um, to learn about and definitely started learning about it because of Sarah is the roles that other planets play in your love life. And I'm kind of a big believer now that some of these planets play a bigger role in cultivating and maintaining a loving relationship than your big three do. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about your Mercury, your Venus, and your Mars signs. Um, I'm a Gemini, so I think Mercury is just always important to me. It's my chart ruler, and Geminis cannot stop talking. And Mercury governs communication, so... There is some bias there, but also any therapist or well-meaning nosy grandma or is like going to... Or any dating profile, they're like, what's the most important thing in a relationship? And they're like, communication. Yeah, like... I mean, go to pre that's what the priest is going to tell you. Go right. to therapy, that's what your therapist is going to tell you. You know, complain to your mom on the phone, that's what she's going to tell you. Mm-hmm. If you cannot openly and honestly communicate with somebody, you cannot have a good relationship. Because it's not just the act of opening your mouth and talking to somebody, it's actively listening to that person and processing what they have to say. And while that is already not a very easy task, um, something that I think astrology can really do for you is help you uncover how you like to communicate, how you tend to communicate, because those are not always the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The kind of pitfalls that you need to avoid, like your weak spots in communication. But also like how you take in other people's information. Like if somebody's feeding you something and you take it in a particular way, then it might not be the way that they intended it. And that's why you need to understand each other's modes 
and tendencies in communication because you know if somebody's like genuinely not trying to offend you or hurt you but you have a mercury that really takes things personally and overanalyzes things and they don't know that then they might become frustrated in the fact that you overanalyze something that they didn't mean to be meant that way you know what i mean yeah i also think that people have um a tendency to think of communication as just what's coming out of your mouth um like what up Delaware signs but communication also is what's coming into your ears um and it's important to learn how you have a tendency to receive things like what's your kind of impulse on that yeah um which would be a combination of like your moon and your mercury yes and and then when you understand that about yourself it means you actually understand how to utilize Mercury and then learning that about a friend or a potential partner or a spouse, etc., um, can kind of revolutionize the way you guys communicate on a day-to-day basis. Because mm-hmm. um, having a Mercury in a particular sign does not mean that you can't tailor your communication style to be better received by somebody with a Mercury in a different sign from you. Yeah, I think that understanding how a person ticks um, can really change the nature of your relationship with that person because you can revise how you approach things with them. Um, I know that my husband does not communicate the same way I do at all. Um he's quieter, he's shyer, he does not like confrontation where I like to bang things out right away and get past it. Um, But learning more about how his Mercury and Venus and Mars and Moon operate, um, I've had to really learn how to like hold myself back, bite my tongue, take a deep breath, walk away because my desire to like hash things out right away or my like rapid fire like these are my thoughts and I am like giving them to you right now and we should be able to deal with this immediately because I'm presenting you with all the things just because I communicate that way and just because I receive that well and process quickly doesn't mean that everybody does which used to be an incredibly frustrating experience all the time and now it's only incredibly frustrating like a third of the time because I've learned that for better or worse I have to walk away sometimes and give him time to process it and chew on it and think about it and hopefully come back to the table and talk about it. But sometimes it also means that we are never going to talk about it again. And I used to think that was like an avoidance thing or um, an incompatibility thing or just a childish thing. And it, it's not. People just communicate differently. Um which I guess kind of segues into the fact that even though Mercury rules communication, other things factor into communication. Mm-hmm. Like I think that when you spoke about being not, um, you know, being non-confrontational versus being confrontational, that's very Mars. That's a very Mars thing. Yeah, and I didn't really understand. I didn't understand the importance 
of some of these planets at first. And that's partly because it's just very overwhelming to start learning about astrology because there's so many things. There's all the things. Yeah. Um, and then it felt like such a dumb moment because I studied the classics and these planets are named after Roman gods and goddesses and Mars is the god of war. So while Mars governs a lot of things I've learned, it also obviously governs how you fight. Yeah, like if you want to just crystallize it into one phrase that will cover everything, it's action. Yes. Because it, it governs fighting. It governs like your motivation. It governs sex. It governs all those things that are very like... Animal instinct. Animal instinct, tactile. Um... Because when your 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 animal instinct of feeling is very moon, but your animal instinct of like action is Mars. Yeah, I think one of the one of the ways I learned how to fight differently, for lack of a better phrase, with my husband is um, I found out his Mars was in Cancer, and apparently people who have their Mars and Cancer, um, they don't like confrontation. They tend to express their aggression or like anger in very passive aggressive ways, but like very actively passive aggressive, not like meek and timid. Just, I mean, I in my notes for this episode, I put in all caps like, oh, the eye rolls. Like, Rob loves a good eye roll, but doesn't want to like engage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tend to, like, retreat into themselves and say, like, oh, well, I need to think about this. And that just brings all sorts of crab-like images into one's mind. Yeah. And they feel that intensely. Like, they feel that anger with an emotional passion. Yeah. They're, um, like, the easiest way that I read to sum it up is that all of their actions are driven by their emotions. Yes. Um... But they also can come across as very, like, quiet and withdrawn. So you don't always know what's, like, swimming beneath the surface emotionally, which means that being married to somebody whose Mars is in Cancer is a never-ending Sherlock Holmes adventure in emotional archaeology. Fun times. But if you really, 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 like, study it, learn about it, nothing in that description was like, oh, that's not Rob. Everything was like this giant light bulb that was like, huh, no wonder the way I handle things never works because my Mars is in Gemini. We need to talk everything out immediately Mm -hmm. or else I'm going to forget about it in two hours because something else will be something I want to talk about. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it was important for me to learn that my Mars was in Gemini Um, and when your, like, energy and action is governed by a mutable sign, I'm a little unpredictable, which I feel bad for Rob, but since I can't always exactly predict my unpredictability, learning how my spouse's, um, actions are driven and how to kind of, like, nurture that is... It's been pretty life-changing. Like, it really has. Like, we we decided to change how we were going to argue at one point because it just wasn't working. 
And it makes it sound like we fight all the time. We squabble, but we don't fight all the time. But I, he, he always needs to process something. And when I see him getting overwhelmed, I, now I can like visibly see him crawl into his shell, so to speak. So we had to learn to like take timeouts, which I hate. I hate it so much. I want it done. I want it over with. I want to give him all the words in my brain so that he understands why my side is right and he is wrong, obviously. Um, but no, now I got to walk away because once the crab is in its shell, it's not coming out. Do you feel like that's helped you in your, I mean, like, obviously it helps him process and have like a more productive conversation. Do you feel like this has helped you personally as well? Yeah, I think that it is always frustrating to think that you are being open and honest and thorough and how you're communicating and everyone tells you communication is the key to a successful relationship. So I'm communicating my face off. Doesn't that mean we should be getting somewhere? But what nobody tells you is that you have to take into consideration other people's communication style. So I could look at it two ways. I could either be annoyed that I have to alter my communication style for the sake of my partner, or I could look at it as like, wow, I've become adaptable enough to work my communication style around someone else's communication style so that we have the desired outcome. Because at the end of the day, I would rather both people, whether it's a friend, a family member, your spouse, a teacher, a boss, anyone, Mm -hmm. I would rather us end up on the same side Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So if that means that I have to alter my behavior or my communication style a little bit and take them into consideration... I'm happy to do it. And I don't know if that's like a me thing, a 20 years of therapy thing, a mutable sign thing. I think it's always a little bit easier for somebody who has active energy to become a little more passive than the other way around. So just, I mean, bringing that into the conversation, like if you have a a Mars with very like positive forward moving energy, and I don't mean positive in like, thumbs up kind of positive but like if you're thinking about like energy a positive energy um it's a little bit easier to i think that could be wrong but i think it's a little bit easier for people with forward moving energy to pull back a little bit than to get somebody who's in a stuck place to pull them out of that and get them running at your level well isn't your mars is in taurus right yes which is unmovable Mars actually is in its detriment in Taurus, so it's 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 in its least compatible uh, sign. I'm trying to think of how <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. No, you can be blunt. Well, I don't even know like how to put it bluntly either. So, for anybody listening, Sarah and I lived together for a couple years, so we're not just best friends, but we like lived together on a day to day basis for two years. Um. Her sun sign is a cancer. So being friends with her and all of her cancerness and how open she is and knowledgeable she is about the fact that she's a cancer was one of the things that really helped me figure out how to handle Rob in confrontational situations. Um, But something I did not know about her until we moved in together is that she is the most stubborn person I've ever met in my life. And it's very, very confusing because 
since her son is in cancer, she seems so, like, emotional and nurturing and sweet. And she is all of those things. But when juxtaposed against her stubborn nature, it's so confusing. It's so confusing. But yeah, no, she, like, she digs her metaphorical heels in the ground and it is a task. She is not somebody I enjoy, like, even watching in an argument with somebody because she's done. Like. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not much to argue. I just, I just will sit there and I'll I'll just listen. I'll just be like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're you're just yeah. that convinced that you're right. Yeah, I won't I won't even try to argue it out. No, because you don't want to consider that you're not right. And yeah. it's just so interesting because you're so nurturing and you want everyone else to get along and you'll work really hard to make other people see sides of each other's story. So it fascinates me that like you'll sit there and broker peace between people because that's just in your sun sign nature. But you have no interest in brokering peace with other people, like no. Dunzo. Yeah. That's very true. And it's it's wild. But this is why it's so important to know these things, I think, because you could you could know that Sarah's sun sign is Cancer and that her moon is in Aries and that her rising sign is in Virgo and think that you understand her and think that like you can fall in love and have like this maintain this relationship with her and then just be blindsided the first time that you have a disagreement and she's so stubborn she doesn't even want to hear you out. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like my both my Venus and my Mars are in fixed uh, signs and while my my presence is very um, go with the flow, very flexible, very accommodating, like even my moon in Aries, like I'm always, um, you know, it's very, it's like it's, it's, it's action oriented, it's, it's, um, like, I'm always thinking of a new idea. I'm always ready to go with the next thing. But that's when I'm excited about something. And because and you pull back that layer and I have these two prominent placements and fixed signs, like my cancerness, like, and my Virgo-ness, like, one would think that I like to shy away from the spotlight. But I have a Venus in Leo, which, even though I might not necessarily want to be the center of attention all the time, I like being paid attention to. And, like, especially, like, I will be the first to admit, like, don't find me on a dating website because all I want is the attention. All I want is to talk to somebody just because I want to feel paid attention to. (laughs) And I am more than willing to admit that. When I open up that part of my phone, I'm, like, looking for attention. Oh, yeah. One of our friends accurately said that Sarah gets on her dating apps once every four months. Because once every four months, like, maybe it's, like a transit through a fire sign thing like the sun goes through the fire sign of whatever and my venus and leo is just ignited <laughs> desperately want the validation of Desperate communication for validation. with a stranger my love receival language is words of affirmation like if i do not hear it from your lips if i do not like get that validation then i will think of so many different ways to invalidate myself What I think is really fascinating is that um, whether we want to call it love language or what your Venus needs or just what we want from humans in general, I think it's so interesting when that is not how a person shows other people love. 
Absolutely. Like, I think that I show other people love through my sun sign, which is very, like, nurturing and acts of service, if you want to use that, you know, trope again, versus, like, if somebody does something for me, it's not that I don't appreciate it, but I don't equate it to being a gesture of affection. Yeah, I think even something as, like, basic as a phone call, you're not really one to pick up the phone and be like, I haven't talked to this person in a while. I'm going to call them and remind them I love them. But if somebody calls you mm-hmm. and went out of their way to not text but make oh, a phone like, call and, like, bye. yeah, it <laughs> lights up your whole face. Yeah. I just find it so fascinating. Um, so in my head, I had this, like, whole thing where we would just work outward uh, in the planetary we're starting to go we're just all over the place and that's that's okay that's yeah Um, it's usually the the best way we get stuff is just yeah i mean we talked about what mercury covers we talked about what mars covers yeah oh Um, i just don't want to like real quickly like touch on like sexual attraction in mars because i think that it's very interesting like if two people just have this like animalistic connection to each other and have great sex but like don't get along it's probably a mars thing yeah if you have great sex with somebody and you're confused why your relationship sucks, look at the rest of your charts. Yeah. And you don't need, that doesn't even need to be a sinistry thing. No, no, no. That does not even need to be a sinistry thing. Like, check your Venus, check their Venus, check your moon, check their, just, yeah. Check these things and see, like, if you look at the world the same way. Right. And, and if, if you, you want to maintain a relationship with that person, then, like, take those cues from that other person's placements and start working on how to be a little more accommodating of them. Yeah. I think, so, if you ask me what is one thing you should uncover about yourself in order to kind of search for some romance in your life, I would make the argument for Venus. Um, because Mars is going to do its thing no matter what, because Mars is impulsive. Yeah. And it rules your actions. So unless you have like thoroughly studied your Mars and learned how to completely control it, which please tell me how. Oh my God. Um, your Mars is going to do its own thing. Yeah. But I would, I would start with learning about your Venus because Venus rules romance um, and romantic love. Um, and I think Venus is where you really start to get into the maintenance of long-term relationships because then you can understand like it and specifically like in a romantic relationship um, because then you start to understand what almost like keeps it alive and like what makes people feel what they're looking, you know, like people, people seek companionship. I mean, at least for me, like, because I'm looking for that, like, Love yeah, and if you like, if you genuinely want a romantic relationship, if you want a partner, mm-hmm. then Venus isn't just governing kind of like the romance aspect of it, but right. it governs pleasure mm-hmm. and comfort. Yeah, and I think those are two things that people are looking for when it comes to their significant other. Yeah. You know, they want things to remain pleasurable. You don't want to have a bunch of shitty days. Yeah. And you want to feel comfortable. Like, can you even imagine being in a 10-year relationship with someone where you don't feel comfortable a single day yeah. of your life? That like, that would be so confusing. Horrible. Um, and from what I understand, just I think... just not comforted by the other person. Yeah. I think Venus also governs happiness. Yeah, uh, I mean... I'm, I'm curious a, what you have to vague... say, because the internet tells me many things, but that was... Yeah. 
I mean, I haven't read that specifically. What I understand, like, I think happiness is such a... It's such a big word. Because I almost don't even feel like happiness is a... Quality, like, I, because I, it's an emotion. It's not necessarily a. I mean, I think happiness is you. an achievement, personally. Right, which I don't. I, I'm trying to like think of the way to say this. Like, I, you know, happiness being an emotion. I don't think that it has a planetary like governor or governess because things can other things can make you happy like yes my leo is in venus and getting validation from other people or like words of affirmation from people makes me happy but my um my jupiter which is like about expansion and joy and like good luck and goodwill and good fortune is in scorpio and so things that like like finding out things like really getting to the bottom of things and having like deep connections with people that also makes me really happy okay so would we say it's fair to say that venus governs pleasure yes but since happiness is kind of this like never-ending mission we're on to achieve it's just part of the whole yeah yeah i would yeah because i mean like i've heard other things where it's like oh you know Mars governs anger and I'm like I, I don't think that's necessarily true I think anger is something that fuels your coping mechanism that Mars has laid out for you but it doesn't I, yeah, necessarily I, would say... like, I think that those are the they're they're two sides of the same coin if you if you don't want to say that Mars governs anger then you can't say that Venus governs happiness okay that's fair um Okay, yeah. So the reason I personally think Venus is where people should start to learn and do some self-discovery with is because it kind of governs romance and pleasure. Yeah, I think pleasure is a better word because it's not just like emotional pleasure or satisfaction. It's also like taking it out of the, the relationship thing. It's also like aesthetic pleasure yeah like what gives us enjoyment Mm -hmm. um and like where our tastes lie Mm -hmm. um just to kind of riff on the aesthetic aspect of it yeah 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 totally or Um, i mean like even like i mean leo is a is a dominant and performative sign and even though i'm not like a dominant or performative person i do find a lot of joy in performative things like running this podcast or when I was a singer and an actor like you know that sort of thing um yeah which god bless you because I don't love those things but I do like talking so yay podcasts um yeah and Venus also kind of well your Venus is in Aries Aries. I like starting things Mm. it gives me pleasure yeah um yeah, so Venus also, um, it kind of tells you about how you make relationships, but also how you break them. And I think it's really important to know those things so that you can maintain them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you just said, my Venus is in Aries. 
So what I have learned by researching Venus and Aries is that um, activities really engage me. Turn me on is like, like not the right word because I feel like that gets into my Mars more than anything. But activities and energy mm-hmm. um, attract and engage me. Yeah. Um, I like doing things. Um, I do not like vagueness. Um, I used to think that... I used to think that when like tindering or hinging or whatever... When guys would be vague or when they would be around the bush or anything like that. I used to think it was like my social anxiety that was getting aggravated or it was like grinding salt into the open wound of my low self-esteem. But the more research I've done on my Venus, I think it's really just my Venus is an Aries and that kind of vagueness or like not getting to the point or trying to be coy for way too long aggravates me like when you were on dating apps like people who were too it took too long for them to ask you to hang out yeah or they would like keep trying to allude to it without wanting to like make a move um you know like obviously baiting you to make the move Mm -hmm. because they just don't feel comfortable or confident doing it right which is interesting again because like your basic personality your basic understand like you you're not the person that wants to make the action but you crave someone else to so much yes because i get validation from that like oh action is hard for me to take you like me enough to take that action that's appealing Mm -hmm. and that was just a very like interesting thing to learn about myself now i'm not saying that i don't have social anxiety that it was all just one big mistake but it's nice to know that sometimes it's not all about my anxiety. Sometimes it's just in my nature. And that's one of those things that I learned are in my nature. I also have learned that... So different from you seeking validation from dating apps just by talking to people, I really enjoy that initial like contact... And developing it into a date. Oh god, that's such cardinal energy. That like, I- <laughs> yeah, like I like finding someone, connecting with somebody, um, like nurturing that connection. And you into- do that even like outside of like when you were dating. Like you do that with like friendships too. Like you see someone, you're like me. You're coming with me now. Like- yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how I am. Like something sparks interest, mm-hmm. whether it's a friend or a job or a potential partner. And I really derive pleasure from like tending to that little like relationship garden until mm-hmm. something grows. Mm-hmm. The problem is if, If the plant doesn't grow fast enough? No, it's more like if the... If it grows, then that's just it. It's also very cardinal. (laughs) Speaking from somebody who has a cardinal dominant chart, I definitely... I I feel that. Not necessarily in, like, relationships with people, but, like, I understand where you're coming from in other aspects of my life. Yeah, like, I need... I need the leaves to change colors and then to go bare and then to have to like nurture it back in the spring. Like Aries, people with their Venus and Aries like to keep things fresh. 
And until I learned more about how to do that in a long lasting relationship, it meant that I got farther in my tindering than you did. But after like three or four great dates, like if it leveled off into just like flatline comfort too quickly, like I'm bored, I'm out. And That's I didn't so see it that way. I don't see you as that person, but like I totally can see that happening like I don't think I express myself outwardly that way I think that's just like the internal like relationship death that's I'm like having the drive yeah. Like, yeah like it just stops being it it stops being exciting that little like bubbling in my chest like that effervescence mm-hmm. goes flat mm-hmm. and then I don't always like bail well past tense I didn't always bail on the guys then because I'm just kind of the, I'm not that person yeah. I feel bad but my roommate at the time Charlie would always wonder what happened mm-hmm. <laughs> did you guys get in a fight like why you don't seem that excited anymore or like you've been dating this guy for six months and you look like you have zero joy in it and that's why it's because things aren't like fresh and exciting anymore they That's don't want to go on dates and do stuff anymore. They want to sit around the house. Mm. And I, because I didn't know what was lacking, I didn't know how to fix it. That's why it's important to learn about Yes. This. So I just hung in there hoping that we'd like re-spark whatever started the relationship Rather than the understanding that's something that you needed. Yes. So it's very difficult because it's in my like psychological nature to be a serial monogamist. Mm-hmm. And it has just like a lot to do with how early your worldview is established, being raised in a large Irish Catholic family where everybody stayed together forever and a day. So in my mind, that's how relationships are supposed to work. You're supposed to be together. The end. Um, and that's just constantly at odds with my need to feel like things are still fresh and exciting. Mm -hmm. And you don't, it doesn't need to be a new person. Right, exactly. That's like, you know, the, the revelation that comes with that. Yes. You just need to learn how to keep things fresh and exciting, which right. is a chore. It is not as simple as just knowing that that needs to happen. Or it's not as simple as opening up your phone and finding the next person, which is probably why it was so easy. Before you, you understood why that, that, that itch was there, that was the easiest way to scratch it. Yeah, Tinder was, like, a great and terrible thing at the same time. Because I could constantly just be like, and I'm done. Well, it was like a mosquito bite that itched so bad that you, you know, I don't know if this happened or you felt like this happened or not, but, like, I literally in real life had a mosquito bite that I itched so much that it just, like, bled and turned into a scar. Because it just itched so bad and I just couldn't stop and, like, it wouldn't go away because it just, I wasn't doing the right thing. I wasn't putting hydrocortisone cream on it or something. Yeah, they're, so I, my therapist, bless her, um, I really, really, really hate when beverages become lukewarm. If they're supposed to be cold, they need to be cold. If they're supposed to be hot, they I need to be hot. I feel like we got food. <laughs> when they get, like, tepid, uh-huh. I don't want them anymore. Yeah. And when I was complaining to her about the umpteenth relationship on tinder that felt really promising and now like date four i was like "Eh." she likened my approach to relationships uh to my approach to beverages 
Ah, that makes a lot of sense. And she was like, you know, I think if you can figure out how to put your relationship in one of those, like, stainless steel tumblers that keep it hot or cold, um, oh, <laughs> learn like how to microwave, yeah, learn how to microwave your coffee again or add some more ice to your soda, right? then you'll probably fix a lot of these issues. And That's at so the funny. time... I love a good metaphor. I love a good therapy metaphor. Oh, yeah. Me and my therapist speak 80% metaphor. So at the time, I was like, that is maybe not life-altering, but something to chew on. And then fast forward two years later, when you introduced astrology into my life this much, and I'm like, damn... My just therapist was right. Thing. Yeah, that like that yeah, it just that. it just made things make so much more sense. And I wish I had known much longer ago that my Venus was in Aries and what that meant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny because like I am the person that goes on those dates and then I'm left high and dry after three or four, and apparently I just went very lukewarm very fast, which is like no fault of either one of us apparently, but. I just find it interesting because, like, I'm not that person, but, like, I, now I understand why maybe that's what happened. Or maybe you're looking at me like, that's not the case, girl. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, no, I'm thinking about it because I think that this this conversation is interesting to me and I hope it's interesting to other people. Um, partly because I... I just got married, so I'm at that point now where I'm reflecting on, like, how our relationship came to be, how this one actually made it, you know, Mm -hmm. to the altar. Yeah. And now, like, faced with a lifetime of how do we keep this fresh and happy and committed and loving, which has its place in astrology, and I'm, like, very grateful for having his chart in mind to just kind of reference. But you're coming at it from the point of view of, like, what do I want for real? What do I want? Not like, what do I think I want? Mm-hmm. And then like, how do I get it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the combination of like being in your quarter life crisis, uh, age range, um, and like anybody out there, don't roll your eyes. It's a thing. We've all been there. Um, I feel like the only people that are rolling their eyes are people who are younger than 25. Oh, well, good luck, and I'm very sorry for you and however many years you face this. Because I feel like everybody who is older is like, yep, that's a fact. Or sometimes, though, they want to be annoying and be like, it wasn't that bad, or I never went through it. No, we all went through it. There's a whole existential crisis. What am I doing? This is not what college prepared me for. But I think between being in your, like, quarter-life crisis age range and learning so much about yourself through astrology, it's very hard to go from, like for years I thought this was my ideal like man or partner and now I'm learning about all these things and that like who I thought I wanted to be with or the kind of person I thought I wanted to be with is inherently incompatible with x y or z aspect of my chart yeah and that's an important thing like I totally will get on board with people who say it's garbage that their sun sign is not supposed to be compatible with another sun sign but I do think it's really important to learn like what your Venus is all about, because that's going to tell you so much about what you want and what you're attracted to and what kind of keeps your fire lit. Um, And it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody who has something that the internet will tell you is quote unquote incompatible. It doesn't mean the relationship will not work. It just means that you have to be conscious of 
the things that aren't fulfilled by nature itself. Yes. Yes. What does your Venus and Taurus tell you about what you... My Mars or my Venus? My Mars is in Taurus. My Venus is in Leo. Your Venus and Leo. What does your Venus and Leo tell you about what you want from a relationship? Or need from a relationship? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, the easy way to kind of research... I mean, obviously, there's so many resources now about just looking specifically at Venus and Leo, but if you want to go with a basic route, you just got to look at the sign and what the sign represents and craves. And I, having never been in a committed relationship before, it's very hard for me to say whether or not what I'm thinking is actually like the way I want things fulfilled like I do understand that like I do need a lot of validation and I do need a lot of like almost like pedestally affection but I have never had that manifest before so like I don't know how much pleasure it will or will not derive me but just looking at my basic blueprint of like my Venus is in Leo Um, it's interesting because it's such a performative sign and it's something that like really does crave attention and, and, um, not just like from your partner to you, but also like typically a Venus and Leo is very much reciprocate, 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 reciprocates it, you know, just as much. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, if they're with somebody that maybe doesn't like being, you know, bombarded with affection, then, like, maybe that's not the best route to go. But, like, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that I, I crave that, like, feeling of value, um, and feeling of, like, that, I don't want to say that I'm, like, better than the person next to me, but, some sort of like feeling that I have a place and it's special and it's not replaceable by somebody else. Do you feel like, do you feel like that is something that you've learned your Venus being in Leo like needs and that's like it? Or do you feel like, you have like come to terms with that and like genuinely feel like you are special and deserve a place like just for you. I think that what it's been for me right now in my journey is like, I've always had that feeling, but I never really knew. I never was able to put words to it. And so when I just like was reading about my Venus and Leo, I was like, Oh, well like, yeah, no wonder, like, that's why I crave XYZ. And especially in contrast with my Mars, like, I'm a very no-touchy person. Like, please do not come within 10 feet of me. You can, like, sing your praises from the ground below while I stand on my balcony, but don't don't climb the terrace. Um, yeah, men out there, don't try and hold Sarah's hand. No, don't touch me unless I, I'm, like, leaning into it. But, like, it... So I think that I think that the 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 release and the gift for me about learning about these particular placements was that I always felt like there was something wrong with me because my physical 
needs were very different than my emotional ones. And realizing that that was okay and that was part of me and not something that needed to be like stretched out and picked apart was very, um, was very good for me because now I'm like, okay, I understand that like I need this, but I also need this. And sometimes they don't make any sense together, but that's just how I am as a person rather than forcing myself to be like, well, I, I crave so much emotional attention. Like, am I just super repressed physically? And like maybe a little bit, but I'm also just like cool now with like, oh, okay, I just, it takes a long time for me to warm up to somebody physically. And now I understand that about myself. And if somebody's like, hey, you seem really into me, but like physically standoffish, I'll be like, well, let me learn, let me teach you about Mars and Taurus. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> right. Have a seat. Right, exactly. So I guess to kind kind of rephrase my question. Okay. Um do I want to put this? I think that you're trying to therapist me into saying, like, do you feel like you have self-value or do you look for it in other people? No, I mean, I am, I am putting, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, therapist you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, because, because I'm not trying to get you to say anything in particular. I'm curious because I think that it is both important to know what our planetary placements, um, say about us but also it's important to come to terms with that so do you feel like do you feel like it's just a a set of knowledge that you emotionally require this or do you feel in touch with that emotion enough to feel like you deserve it does that make sense yes uh i would say no but I don't think that that is a journey that astrology right now can take me on. I think that astrology brought me so far to say, like, this is what you need. This is what you want. This is what, in theory, will make you feel comforted. Hey, Siri, shut up. <laughs> um, this is what you need. This is what you want. This will make you feel... This is what will make you feel comfortable and... Um, and appreciated. I don't think that there's a way other than like talking it out with your therapist or having like a self-reflection about it or just like working on yourself to to feel like that's something that because I think that deserving the part like the, deserving the things that you want or need are not something that is like that feeling of that is not laid out in your astrological blueprint. It's something that you have to work on for yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think that one of the most engaging parts of metaphysics is that it can provide us with such a detailed roadmap um, towards self-acceptance. Obviously, I'm always going to be a therapy advocate. I think everyone should be in therapy, even if you think your life is perfect, Um, because we are constantly changing and evolving beings. And there are constantly outward factors pressing in on us in an inward way. So there's always stuff for us to process and there's always um, events or emotions to come to terms with. So I think that um, I think that taking that deep dive into your chart, figuring out like what different planets mean, um, 
in general and then what your planetary placements say about you are just such a great place to start learning about yourself and really asking yourself like okay so my Venus in Leo my Venus in Aries my Venus in whatever says this about me do I agree with it okay so sure this makes sense I agree with it is that what I'm seeking yes great let's move forward is it no why am I not seeking that like what what is influencing that and it's just all like one foot after another mm-hmm. walking towards that like concept of self-actualization um that ideal of self-love and self-acceptance and all of that's just it's just so important because you can find a hundred people that you're compatible with on this journey but if you never reach that point where you accept yourself and all these aspects of yourself you've learned about and love them, then it's going to be really hard to have any kind of lasting relationship. Um, now, I know not everybody can go see a therapist, so I won't act like that's the only thing mm-hmm. you can do. Um, we talk a lot about astrology on this podcast because I think it is the most expansive aspect of metaphysics that um there's just so much information yeah it's just it to me it just seems like it's the most expansive area of metaphysics that tells us about ourselves and the world around us um maybe one day we will have explored uh energy healing or spells or other things to the same extent that we've like started to explore um astrology but outside of your birth chart and examining it learning about it utilizing resources to kind of research what the heck that means um you'll find tons of other metaphysical ways that purport to invite love into your life and I'm not really opposed to most of them because I'm one of those people who thinks that as long as it's not harming anyone Mm -hmm. every little bit helps yeah um I know that I know that um people get like very attracted to crystals that they feel speak to them or um are looking for material objects that represent what they are immaterial immaterially thinking or wanting so that being said um we are definitely those people like absolutely i can say for sure that every aspect of who i am enjoys having physical manifestations of what i am mentally and emotionally grasping for um and i think this for me is why crystals became really interesting so the most obvious heart crystal out there if people if you want to find ways to invite love into your life or 
like me, you enjoy or need having like a physical representation of your intention. Yeah, that's probably like like my favorite thing about it. Yeah, I just think sometimes it can help you focus. It's like a pretty sticky note. That's a great way to put it. Um, It's all for me. And I think this is just a little bit of like my mutable energy. It's it helps me focus and remind myself like it's a physical reminder. um, Like like specifically while I'm trying to like meditate, it's a physical um, grounding. Point. Yeah, it was gonna be like a grounding tool or yeah, because yeah. because I because I do need that because otherwise like for 15 minutes that love manifestation that I found really important can be distracted by like 1,200 other things. Let's be honest. Yeah. So rose quartz is always the most recommended and most obvious yeah um stone that people utilize for inviting love into their life and i think it's it represents a lot of what we've been trying to talk about today mm-hmm. in that it it is supposed to invite romantic love into your life But it's also... Like, by way of self-love. Yeah, but it's also definitely supposed to encourage your own self-love. And I think that is super important. Rose quartz may not be the end-all, be-all stone for me. um, But it's definitely on my list of stones that I think every single person should own. And if you're looking for a place to start as you bust out your co-star app and look at what your Venus like is placed in and you say, okay, I've learned this about myself. Like maybe your Venus is in Libra and you're like, oh, that's why I like the give and take of a relationship. Or like my husband, your Venus is in Cancer and you're like, oh, this is why I crave emotional security in a relationship. Right. And then using that to like maybe if... um rose quartz isn't your cup of tea like if you know you're looking for something that um if your venus is an immutable sign and you just need some sort of like grounding energy like a tourmaline might be helpful for you in your romantic life because then it sort of centers you or um just using that as like a tool like it doesn't have to necessarily be a a crystal about love or self-love specifically especially if that's not your cup of tea or even if you just don't you know, vibrate with rose quartz the way you would a different stone. Yeah, I think that, um, I think that if we're talking about metaphysical ways to invite love into your life, whether it is self-love or the love of someone else or the love for someone else, um, I think a very easy thing to do, um, as a beginner is to look for heart chakra stones. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's an easy thing to remember. Love, romance, heart kind of automatically go together in our heads anyway. Mm-hmm. And while rose quartz is usually like the number one heart chakra stone that people think of, um, there's a bunch. And some of the ones that I really like um, are emeralds. Um, jade is supposed to be okay. good for it. Um rubies are supposed to be very powerful heart chakra stones interesting yeah um and then just as like a quick shortcut 
If it is a green stone, a pink stone, or a red stone, you can use it with your heart chakra. Okay. Interesting. It may have other utilizations as well, like green aventurine is considered a heart chakra stone. Oh, okay. But my obsession with green aventurine has more to do with its impact on luck. Yeah. Um, but who doesn't want some luck and love? Lucky and love, right, exactly. Like they go hand in hand. Yeah, so if you are on Etsy looking at stones or if you are in your local rock shop and feeling lost or overwhelmed or just like you don't feel like asking the clerk for help, green, pink, red. Question that just popped into my head, um, and you might not know the answer, but is a diamond is it uh is it a crystal slash gemstone? I'm assuming it is because it's, you know, ruby, emerald, stuff like that. And then if it is, is it a heart chakra stone? No, it's a crown chakra stone. Interesting. So all clear stones are crown chakra stones because, and think like clear and its relationship to clarity, like mental clarity. Okay. I I was going to ask like about like wedding bands and stuff. I, I You cannot quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that diamonds became the go-to engagement ring stone based on um a royal like having a diamond um engagement ring and then it became like very popular and it stayed popular and it gave way to like the whole blood diamond industry in africa and all sorts of other things But if you look back in, like, history, um, like, for instance, Princess Diana and now uh, Kate Middleton, like, famously have that big, huge sapphire engagement ring that has, like, a little halo of diamonds. Um, Royal engagement rings, engagement rings in general, like, people would have emeralds, people would have ruby. It was just, it was a stone. It wasn't necessarily a diamond. That became a thing. That became a fad that just it was like yeah if because people like to give jewelry for um for like affectionate things I mean obviously like people give each other jewelry just because too but I didn't know if it like started because it was like I'm giving you a piece of like heart yeah I think it very specifically became um popular in the last century oh okay so it's it's not as old as like this kind of practices practice is not as old as these kinds of practices are. Right. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah, it um it very specifically um was imprinted on pop culture through like aggressive advertising by De Beers. Um, and that jewelry company owned like the most diamond mines in Africa. And it's not a hard sell because they sparkle. They go with everything. Yeah, they go with everything. They qualm with colored jewels. Yeah, they sparkle like crazy. They go with everything. And they are like the strongest like gemstone. So, um,. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I just, took you on a different road. No, no, I actually I think no, no, no. I think that's actually a very interesting question. No, I think it's an interesting question because it you would think that the a heart chakra stone would be the stone that is most proposed with. Like, why isn't everyone walking around with pink tourmaline? No, capitalism. 
But <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> yeah. So in in terms of inviting love into your life, um, heart chakra stones look for green and pink. Um, unless you feel like you need some mental clarity because maybe you let your Mars drive your love life a little bit too much. In which case, go for any clear stone or purple stone. Great. Um, we have definitely experimented with love spell candles. Mm -hmm. So if you are feeling like getting a little bit witchy, they're fun. I think that the big thing for me is like making a big deal out of, um, actualizing your intentions because it's one thing, at least for me, like it's one thing to just like write in a journal or something like that, but it doesn't feel you know, me having cardinal energy at the top of my chart, Cancer, Aries. Um, it, it, I don't feel like I'm doing anything sometimes. And so I, I like to put things into action. And so for me, like rituals, like specifically like spells in this case, like a love spell was, um, for me, it was like a focus on what do I need to concentrate on in order to fulfill this part of my life yeah i think that spell candles in general for me are kind of still fall under that category of why not every little bit helps as long as it's not hurting someone right um i i'm pretty inquisitive by nature so i'm never one to not try something. Yeah, I, I'm just not one to rush into saying absolutely not. There's no way that's going to work. I always want to explore it from every angle. I think that spell candles in particular are a great way to feel proactive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of feeling proactive um, means opening yourself up. Yeah. And I think that people who aren't finding luck and love, so to speak, are typically very closed off and don't realize it. So I think if you're willing to like jump with two feet in to the point where you're like, yeah, let's pick up a spell candle, you know, let's cover it in lavender and roll it in marigold petals and light that bitch up. Like, you're open to it. You're open to it enough that you bought a spell candle. So, and I think that's half the battle. And yeah. then it's fun. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. super fun. I recommend doing it with somebody too. Yeah. I was, I was already engaged when we did the first love spell candle. So for me, I was just along for the ride, giving all of my like support that I could. But I think that unless you are super spooked by the concept of magic, I highly recommend it. I think the ritual, it's like, it's like when you wash your face at night and you don't just like wash with soap and slather some moisturizer on. You pre-cleanse. You use your like probiotic. You do a face mask. Yeah. You use a jade roller. You put some serum on. You put some moisturizer on. And then you put like a sleep mask with some like snail cell regenerative stuff in it. You feel really good. You feel like you just took 10 years off your face in that one night. Mm -hmm. And it probably made you feel good enough that you're going to do it again the next night. And the next night. Yeah. And the next night. Or at least incorporate a little more self-care into your everyday routine. 
Like, even if it's not the whole nine yards, like, maybe you're like, oh, I'm going to use the serum every night because it makes me feel pretty and nice. Yeah. And that, to me, is where spell candles come into play. I will not tell you that they for sure work, but I also will not tell you for sure that they don't work because I have no idea. I will tell you that it's a great bonding exercise. Mm -hmm. It gets you a little bit of, like, a little dopamine high, and then you're like, oh, well, like, if practicing this sort of, like, concentration on... You know, specifically, we're talking about love. If, like, practicing this really makes me feel good, then, like, you're going to seek it elsewhere. Yeah. I think that it's just one more way to open yourself up to love. And you have to open yourself up to it in order to receive it. Uh, The last kind of metaphysical thing that I would personally recommend, um, and it really just depends on whether you consider yoga metaphysical or not, I do, um, because I think that anybody who practices yoga outside of, like, a yoga sculpt class where you're using it specifically on your body, um, yoga is just so deeply rooted in the chakra system Mm -hmm. and the idea of harnessing energy and being one with nature. So there are tons of different yoga poses that are centered around different chakras. So I would look up any heart opening yoga poses. Like my favorite in particular is camel pose. It physically like opens your chest, um, which that in and of itself just makes you feel like calmer and more open to like anything um so yeah that's my I think heart openers are my favorite um yoga poses and I think the reason they're my favorite yoga poses is because I got into yoga at a time in my life where I was trying really hard to love myself more because I was in a super shitty relationship that would be very 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 easy to blame him because that is a story for another day but it is bonkers Um, but I did realize getting out of that relationship that sure I could blame him for the entire demise of our relationship, but what about me accepted him into my life? And that's when I realized that I maybe didn't really like myself that much, even though I thought I'd come a really long way in therapy. So my journey into the metaphysics did not start with astrology the same way Sarah's did. My journey actually started through yoga And it was chest or heart openers that um, made me feel the most proactive. Um, I think just whether it was an actual physical thing or it was like an emotional and energy thing, my heart was weighing like very heavy. So grab your crystals or find some, buy some. I mean, you could literally incorporate all of them into like a yoga session. Like, yeah, spell like buy spell candlelight. And then, like, surround your mat with whatever crystals make you feel the way you want to. Yeah, you can buy essential oil blends that combine herbs and flowers Mm. that are specifically designated for love. Um, Lavender, Lang Lang, Chamomile. Rose. Rose. Rose is a big one. Yeah, just start, start there. And whether it whether it starts with yoga or walking into a shop and buying a piece of rose quartz or 
you know, getting really exciting and finding your local Wiccan shop and getting a spell candle, or whether it starts with going to Cafe Astrology and just plugging your info in to get a birth chart, like start somewhere because I will, I will say Cafe Astrology is a great tool. Um, when you're specifically looking about looking at your, um, relationship between your Mars and your Venus, because it will expand upon what, what parts of them work together and what parts are in, in, com in competition with each other, which was very helpful for me. Yeah. And you know what? Um, now that I think about it in the episode notes, we oh, can put a link. Yeah, we can put a link and we will drop a link for some basic yoga poses and um, a couple stores that I've used via Etsy to buy candles and crystals. Um, but start your journey somewhere because at the end of the day, I think that if you get nothing else from metaphysics other than yourself, that is more than you guys are going to be